Are bonds a good investment for your portfolio? You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to The Art of Investing. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today in the studio is Peter Maris, a certified financial planner and president of the Resource Financial Group, a firm that specializes in comprehensive financial planning and retirement planning. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. Good to be here. All right. I need you to help me and my audience understand what is a bond. Well, Larry, when a company issues a bond, you're simply lending the company money. It's similar to an IOU. So if a bond is a $1,000 bond that pays 5% interest for six years, basically you're lending the company $1,000 for six years, just like you'd lend your brother-in-law, except this money you hope you get back. You're lending them money for six years, and while they hold your money, they're paying you a 5% interest. So is it better than a CD? Well, everything is about risk, Larry. In a CD or a money market, those are very low-risk investments. As a result, you're going to take a little higher risk. Now, a bond isn't a high-risk investment, generally speaking, especially a quality bond, but it is a little higher risk than a CD, so you hope to make a higher rate of return. So if you make 5% on a CD, perhaps you make 6% on a bond. What are the risks for bonds versus stocks? What makes them risky or less risky than the stock in a company? A bond is an IOU or a debt instrument, and a stock is a piece of ownership. So the risk for the stock owner is that the company goes down, there's nothing left to pay them. The bondholder gets paid first if something happens to a company. As a result, it's much less risky than a stock. When a company goes bankrupt and then comes out of bankruptcy, do the bondholders get paid or did they get paid before it even went into bankruptcy? Depends on where they were in the hierarchy of payments, but most bondholders at that point, if a company goes into bankruptcy, will get paid at least something. So bonds are not risk-free. They're not the safest thing in the world, but they're kind of safe. Yeah, they're kind of safe. A quality bond, like a bond from General Electric, for example, on a 1 to 10 scale, we'd say it's about a 3 in terms of risk. So three being low risk. Lower risk, absolutely. Ten being high risk. Yes. And then what about bond ratings? You know, I hear them rated A, B, C. I don't know what that means. Well, it's like a... Grade school? Like grade school. Something like a General Electric bond would be, a, let's say, a double A, which means it's safe. It's very likely that they're going to pay you a dividend every quarter and then give you your money back at the end of the term. A lower rated bond, also referred to as a junk bond pays a larger interest, but the risk is also higher that you may not receive some or all of your principal when the bond matures. Smaller companies, companies that are in a credit crunch would issue junk bonds, pay the higher interest rate, and you as an investor would make a determination on whether it's worth it to make the higher interest rate given the risk of possibly not getting your money back. I imagine right now somebody's making a lot of money buying junk bonds of distressed subprime lenders. Well, they could. I mean, they're buying them now at a low price. We'll see what the future holds. If they stay at a low price or go down further, it's not going to be the greatest investment in the world. If they turn around, somebody's supposed to make a lot of money. All right. So there's some more definitions I need to understand. What is par face value? What's coupon rate? What's yield? Well, the yield on the bond is simply the interest rate that it pays you. Back to our example, if it's a GE bond paying you 5%, that's the general yield. Bonds are issued at a par of 100. So if we have a bond issued today, it's at 100, but that par changes. You know, the market changes, so that may be worth a little higher or lower. So in the future, you could buy that bond for 101, get issued at 100, or at 98, you could buy it on sale as well. And the way the interest rates move and the way the company's credit is assessed determines the change in the par value. 
How about the difference between corporate bonds and government bonds? Is one a safer bet than the other, or are they equally as risky? Well, government bonds, United States Treasury bonds, are by definition the safest investment in the world. As a result, we'll go back to risk return. If you have the safe investment in the world in a U.S. government bond, and you buy a bond of, let's say, Microsoft, Microsoft is still, by definition, a little riskier than the Treasury, but still a good investment. So there's no way if you buy government bonds, you have to worry at night that our government will go out of business or be over its head in debt, paying for a crazy war, or the dollar plummets. I mean, none of that affects that? If you worry about government bonds, you worry about everything, and you're probably not sleeping well at night anyway. That's one investment you don't have to worry about as a government bond. Are other government bonds worth looking at? Absolutely. There's government agency bonds like Fannie Mae and Sally Mae, which are government-sponsored bonds. They'll pay a little higher than a treasury bond, and they're not as safe, but they're also very safe investments. So there's other agency bonds, which make sense for low-risk investors. Do you have clients that just say, Peter, I just want bonds. That's all I want. And I want to just diversify all my bonds because I don't like stocks. Of course. Of course. And you, you want to educate people. You want to make sure what they're telling you. Are they saying they don't want stocks or they're telling you they want low risk? Having a portfolio of all bonds, there's some risk there too, Larry. I mean, bonds don't offer any protection against inflation. You know, there's an interest rate risk as well. If you have a bond paying 5% and rates spike up to 9%, so everybody's getting 9% and now you're getting 5%. So there are risks inherent in bonds, not principal risk, but economic risks. Can you actually assess your clients' underlying anxiety levels by just what kind of products they want you to invest in? Can you say, oh, this is a willy-nilly, this is a guy who's pretty cool and he likes to take risks? Can you kind of ferret that out? You try to, but it's also it's akin to somebody coming in and saying, I don't want any penicillin. You think, okay, the guy doesn't like penicillin, but that's not what he doesn't like. He doesn't like the effects or what he's heard or what he's read what he's experienced with penicillin. you got to ferret out what he really means by that. So somebody says, we don't want any stocks or we want all bonds. you really got to figure out what's at the root of that statement and that, those feelings. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm talking with Peter Maris, a certified financial planner and president of the Resource Financial Group, a firm specializing in comprehensive financial planning and retirement planning. We're talking about what we all should know about bonds. Peter, I know guys that all they do is buy tax-free munis. And they always say, Larry, all you got to do is tax-free munis and you'll be in great shape. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Well, what a muni is, it's, it's short for a municipal bond, a municipality like Chicago or the New York Port Authority. These bonds pay that interest that's federally tax-free. Okay. So it's tax-free. Most bonds are not tax-free. Correct. So these are federally tax-free, so that's a good thing. But they generally pay a lower interest rate than taxable bonds. So if you're in a low tax bracket for whatever reason, municipal bonds aren't as attractive as buying other bonds and paying tax on it. If you're in a high tax bracket, if you're in a 35% tax bracket, for example, municipal bonds can be very attractive given the situation. But they're not always better than any other kind of bond. It depends on your personal situation. Well, let's say you're talking to doctors. I'm going to guess that most doctors are in the 35% tax bracket. So tax-free munis should sound attractive. What kind of rates do those get? Is it 4%, but it's tax-free, so it really sounds like it's 6%? It's somewhere in that range right now, in the 4.5% range. But you can also get higher-yielding muni bonds as well. For example, 
a bond of Chicago O'Hare Airport is a very high quality bond. But if you have a small municipality in central Virginia that wants to build a bridge and issues bonds, that's still going to earn you a higher interest rate because the municipality, again, they're back in the bond. The municipality is not as strong as a big city, so they will pay you a higher interest rate. So there is some risk there. People have lost money in municipal bonds. They're not risk-free investments. CDs are not risk-free investments. People have lost money in CDs when banks go under as well. So you have to assess that risk on an overall basis on your portfolio. It's not a perfect investment for everybody. All right, so I don't have to be jealous of these guys that tell me all they have is tax-free munis and that I'm missing the boat. If you have more money than you need, tax-free munis make a lot of sense for somebody who says put it all there. They're a great component to a portfolio if you're in the 35% tax bracket, but they're not the silver bullet. They're not the panacea of financial management. Peter, what is the difference between a note, a bill, and a bond? They're basically the same investment. Note, bill, and bond denotes the term. A short-term investment is a bill. A treasury bill, for example, is something that's short-term in nature. A note is intermediate term, and a bond is long-term. But essentially, they're the same type of instrument with different maturities. So T-bills are something you could potentially trade if you need to be more liquid. T-bills are shorter-term in nature, very liquid, very little price volatility because they mature within a year. Notes within the five years, a little more volatility, some ups and downs, but also stable. A treasury bond would be anything up to 30 years, so there could be more price volatility on those as well. All right, back to me, Peter, because this show's all about me. I'm uh, 45 years old. I want to retire in five years, but realistically, I'll be retiring in 20 years. How many bonds should I have in my, let's say, in my 401k? Let's say all I have is a 401k. How much of that should be bonds? Let me give you some averages, Larry. Long-term, let's say the stock market does about 10 or 11%. Okay, long-term meaning from 1925 to today. Long-term inflation has been about 3 to 3.5%. And bonds long-term have yielded about 5%. So basically, after you pay taxes on your bonds, you're just barely keeping ahead of inflation. As a result, if you have a 20-year time frame, you should have as little bonds as your tolerance for risk will allow in a retirement portfolio. So in your case, if you could stand an 80 or 90% exposure to stocks over a 20-year period, you should do much better than having a, let's say, 50-50 stock-to-bond portfolio. So for a long-term investor, bonds may not make a lot of sense. But if you're lower risk in nature, that's where they come into play. They reduce the risk of a portfolio. What's a convertible bond? Convertible bond is a hybrid. It's a little bit of a bond, a little bit of a stock. So for example, if you look at a company that's not doing too well right now, but you think it'll do well in the future, a convertible bond will pay you an interest rate for a while. And at some point in time, you can exchange that interest or that dividend for the common stock. So in other words, if Pfizer's having a bad time right now and you buy their convertible stock, it'll pay you a dividend close to bond yields, let's say about 5 or 6%. And at some point in the future, you have a right or they have a right to convert that convertible bond into shares of their common stocks. It can work out really well for you for the right situation. Are there funds that just have that? There are. There are funds that have that and perform well during certain time periods and you know, underperform during other time periods like any other asset class. How come when I watch uh, CNBC and the stock market is plummeting, Maria, what's-her-face, will come on and say, well, the market's tanking, but the bond market is going nuts. Why the inverse relationship? I don't get that, how that's related. If we talk like layman right now, stocks being risky, bonds being conservative, as the stock market comes down, people start to worry, and they move their money from stocks, which are 
risky to bonds which are conservative. And when you see big runs in the stock market, you'll hear the opposite. The bond market is hurting while the stock market's going up because money is moving from the bond market to the stock market. So when people are scared, there's a flight to what they call quality and safety. That's the bond market. Anything else you want to tell me about bonds before we go? To reiterate, our bonds are good investment. Our stocks are good investment. The answer to these questions are it depends. Depends on your overall situation, your goals, how far away you are from needing the money, and if the portfolio that you own is going to allow you to sleep at night. That's what's important. I'd like to thank our guest, Peter Maris. We've been discussing what you need to know about bonds. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to The Art of Investing on ReachMD XM157. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>